Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. Coming down to the wire. End of the year. Isn't this fun? <laughs> you guys getting any uh, any of your long winter naps in or has it been like nonstop? Christmas shopping. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't really shop much anymore. Yeah, with the kids, it's like December's like June. Yeah. There's just so much happening. Yeah, and they're like <laughs> barreling towards this winter break that, you know, I feel like I barely know up from down at this point. Um, yeah. But it's all fun stuff. I mean, it's yeah, it's all festive and um, we're enjoying it, but it's a very busy holiday schedule. Exactly. Right. Well, we're back. We're getting ready to sort of wind down for the year, but yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, Santa's elves, even though you're not online anymore, there's so much we have to do behind the scene to keep this machine rolling. So speaking of the machine, it's Bill Sutton. You heard at the top of the podcast. Hey, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And we also have Brendan O'Reilly with us. Hi, Brendan. Hi, Annette. Hi, everybody. I'm Brendan. I'm the deputy managing editor. And Catherine Manu's back. I haven't seen you in a while, my friend. I know. I've been busy being Santa's little elf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Catherine Manu. A lot of people call me Georgie, and I am the publisher of the Express News Group. We need to get you some pointy ears for this season. Your ears are pinned back. We need to get them a little pointier there at the end, so... And I'm Annette Hapel. I'm the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. And um, we're just going to we're going to do our editor's choice again, because that just seems like kind of um, a fun way to work a lot of different topics. Well, maybe not fun, depending on some of the things we're talking about, but just a way to kind of get an overview of what's happening across our readership area. So I guess I'll go first because it's sort of the lighter of the features and it's a pale ale we're talking about. This is Kid Squid, which is the brewery that operates out of the former Sag Harbor Garden Center Depot. It's a very cool building. If you guys haven't been there, it used to be the train station in Sag Harbor and it was converted to a garden shop for a number of years by Phil and Diane Bucking. And recently it's become the home of Kid Squid Brewery. And they do some really cool things. Like, you know, this is a company that tends to use a lot of local ingredients in their beer. And they're very, very tied to the community. Rory McAvoy and his wife, Grania, are very, very involved. And they have a new beer coming out. It's called Brew for the Bay Sack Harbor. And it's a new beer that's got a beautiful label that Rory had designed. And the idea is that for every can of beer that they sell, they will give money to Cornell Cooperative Extension to plant eelgrass and do um, oyster seeding, which I think is so cool. So Georgie, you know, you know a bit about more about this than I do, I think. So do you want to talk about <laughs> what you know about it? Yeah, I do know a little bit about it. Um, well, first off, I, I've really been a huge fan of the Cornell Cooperative Extensions Back to the Bays um, Stewardship Initiative, which has been going on for many, many years, led by um, Kimberly Barber, who I'm lucky enough to count as a friend, um, in addition to being 
somebody that we've been able to cover for many years. And it's a great program. You know, it's it's getting communities and, you know, children's and te- children and teens and adults involved in um, like physically making the, these eelgrass beds with these burlap sacks. They do these workshops all over the North and South Fork, and then they put those eelgrass, um, they're like, uh, taco, they call them like tacos, they call them, right? Yeah. Like tortillas or tacos tortillas or something. Right. <laughs> um, they're little, they're little flat rounds of like burlap that they weave in with the eelgrass. And the idea is that they put that on the bot on the bottom of the bay and those things sort of take hold and start growing out of the, um, the little mass. Yeah. Right? And they, you know, that provides water filtration. It's also a, you know, a habitat, um, for shellfish. So, you know, a fantastic initiative to improve water quality. And very recently, um, Kimberly began working with a local resident, Sean Sachs, on bringing that initiative to Sag Harbor with the idea that it could be part of a larger effort to um, help improve water quality at Havens Beach, which as Annette, you know, we've been talking about water quality at Havens Beach for actual decades. Um at the Sag Harbor Express. So um, they did a workshop um, a little earlier this fall that you know brought a lot of people out to Haven's Beach and raised a lot of awareness. And now this is this new initiative um, that Kids Squid is getting involved in. And I think, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Rory and his wife, Grania, who's his business partner as well, you know, they're very community minded business owners, um, which is so nice to see, um, you know, especially with a relatively new business. They've been here, I think since 2020, Um, you know, and so they jumped on this and, you know, I hear really good things about the beer too. I mean, I enjoy kids with beer and I'm not a general huge fan of um, like micro brewed beer, but their beer actually really enjoyed. And this one um, was grown with um, foster farm two roll, two row malt barley and hopped with an experimental hop developed and grown in upstate New York. And Rory was saying um, this week that it kind of has like a smooth, hazy IPA flavor to it. Um, is this a, it's a limited edition or, or is this going to be? It's a limited edition. 1800 cans was what he was saying. They're going to sell 1800 cans and then, you know, it will be done. Um, so they are. So go, they, get, go get it now. Go get it now. They're having an event though, right? Where you can go to the brewery um, and actually, I mean, to the um, to Kid Squid in Sac Harbor and actually give it a try while uh, while you're there. Did you see that? So yes, this weekend they are having an event at Kid Squid Brewery. Um, I believe on the fifteenth, Friday the fifteenth, um, where you can go down and give this new beer a try and also support this really important water quality initiative. And it's from four to seven, four to seven p.m. on the fifteenth. I see. So George, I'm just curious, like, I know that um, you said Kimberly, I think has been, and been putting some of these uh, uh, eelgrass tacos or tortillas, whatever we call them into the bay. Do we know, is it, is it all off Haven's beach where they've done that? And have they seen some success with how it's growing? Well, so they just did the workshop very recently. And um, from what I can remember from when we covered that, they are actually still working to figure out where in Sag Harbor they will be able to seed the tortillas. Um, So that has not happened yet. I believe they were seeding those 
they're going to seed those elsewhere for now while they work with Sag Harbor officials in the DEC oh, okay. to get permitting to be able to work on this at Havens Beach. So has she talked to you about the success they've seen with these mats elsewhere on the East End? Um, I'm just curious if they've um, taken off in other parts of the area. Yeah, I mean, well, the Cornell Cooperative has been doing this for, I mean, I believe over a well over a decade at this point. So obviously they've had a lot of success with it. Um I think they've done a lot on the North Fork. Yeah. Um I feel and they're still around Shelter Island too. They may have done some of that. Mm -hmm. I remember. Maybe. Um, you know, and I, I think we've seen, you know, water quality improvement, you know, across the board out here after, you know, really you know, 20 years ago, people started paying attention and trying to support things like Cornell Cooperative um, and their stewardship program. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. Success. But, you know, these programs don't exist. Um, you know, as Sean mentioned, when he brought them out to Sag Harbor without public support and frankly funding. So, you know, go have a beer this holiday season, help yeah. support water quality and for a, a local business combining gear with water quality that's probably a winning yeah. formula i'm thinking one, one runs into the other you might say <laughs> yeah a little outflow yeah it's true I thought a, a nice part of this too, um, Liz Vespi wrote this story for us um, and she's just fantastic. We love Liz. Um, but she talked to Rory and he said like one of the reasons he was really into supporting this was um, he started coming out to the East End when he was about 10 years old. And he actually went to a Cornell Cooperative Extension summer camp when he was 10 at Tiana so Bay in Hampton Bays and it like basically inspired him to pursue a degree in marine bi biology which he does hold from um Stony Brook University so it's amazing how all of these things interconnect and now we've got this wonderful partnership and I maintain that when kids you know are, are exposed to to new activities like in that like maybe 10 to 12 year range those those things stick, you know? I feel like that's a real sweet spot for getting kids excited about stuff. They're for, like formative experiences. Yeah, before the jaded teenage years <laughs> set in. As yeah, You know how that works. <laughs> I mean, I'll say, you know, we have so many uh, lovely environmental programs that are geared towards children out here, whether it's Cornell, which doesn't obviously just do the stewardship program. If you go to the Cornell Cooperative Extension website, they have a lot of different programs, um, you know, in Riverhead and on the North Fork. Um, we also have the South Fork Natural History Museum, which has significant mm -hmm. programming for children to teach them about this world that we live in, um, you know, that really is so ecologically diverse and um, I know I have a son um, who's nine who wants to be a biologist, and I think a lot of that has mm -hmm. been created out of growing up out here, um, you know, being so steeped in, you know, conversations about water quality and animals. And um, so it's, right. it's a good we'll get them involved, but don't give them a beer yet. Okay. I <laughs> it's, it's just nice to see a, a, a local business. Um getting so involved in, in putting together a program like this to, to, to help out. Mm -hmm.
Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients in the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. Who's next? Georgie, do you want to introduce your topic? Yeah, so I I, I picked this mostly because I think it um, can kind of spark maybe an interesting conversation about, is this something we're seeing um, as a trend? But um, last week, um, we reported in our police blotters about um, four young women who are facing felony grand larceny charges um, after this November 30th um, situation at TJ Maxx in Bridgehampton, where police say um, that they loaded up shopping carts and left the store without paying for all these items. It resulted in a you know significant police chase that ended when um, the vehicle they were driving actually, according to police, um, struck a police vehicle on um, Montauk at the intersection of Montauk Highway and Hayground Road in Bridgehampton. Um, and so the women have been arrested, and you know they're facing these grand larceny charges. Um, but they're all from um, further west, um, Bellport, Amityville, Hempstead, Selden. And, you know, we have seen um, lately, especially, uh, you know, I think the marquee story that, you know, the New York Post and all of the other pubs picked up on was those um, Balenciaga thefts, um, where Balenciaga was targeted not once, but twice. Um, and that was in East Hampton Village, East right? East Hampton Village um, by people attempting to shoplift, you know, this luxury merchandise and take it out of town. Um, you know, and I, I just wondered, I, I, I wondered if this is something new that we're seeing. Um, is this like a trend that, you know, we will see more of in our police spotters, people coming out here thinking that maybe it's an easy target to get in and out of these stores and then hit Montauk Highway and get out of town. Um, I so. mean, with Balencia, Balencia, I can never say that name. What is it? Balenci Balenciaga. Yeah, you can tell I don't own one of those handbags. Balenciaga. <laughs> um, that was a situation I remember there, you know, it, it, the winter in the East End, if these stores are open, they probably are only staffed by a single person, you know, working alone um, and maybe even somebody who's young, like a high school student. So maybe these people feel that there's, it's going to be a lot easier pickings, just like I've always figured that, you know, if you're going to burglarize a house, the East End's probably a, a prime spot just because there's so many homes that aren't occupied. Although a lot of them have you know, cameras and, and alarm systems now, but, um, but yeah, it does. The, the, the Balenciaga thing, I, I think kind of mimicked a lot of smash and grab, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, raids that were going on kind of West coast, I, I think. Yeah. Um, where, where you had, you know, these high-end stores where, where a group would come in in a matter of, of a minute, 
you know, smash display cases, steal jewelry, that type of thing. And, and so it seemed like it was mimicking that a lot. I, I don't know where TJ Maxx would, would fit into that. I mean, it's certainly not higher end stuff, but this seemed like an organized, same thing, an organized group that, that came out, you know, to, to target that store. And we, we see, you know, police blotters a lot, you know, from, from up West, you know, Suffolk County police, where you'll have a single, you know, a single person go into a store like Home Depot or whatever, fill a cart and, you know, and, and run out, but, but not, you know, organized like this, where you have a group coming in, um, you know, targeting a store. Did you see in, in California that the new thing out there now is there's, they're getting stolen cars and they're actually ramming into storefronts that are locked and barred. So they'll, they'll use the stolen car to actually batter ram down the storefront and then they'll walk in, they'll run in and, you know, four or five people grab everything they can. I, so, I saw something similar on, on, on patrol live uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you watch that show? I do watch that show religiously. <laughs> so I have a story that's relevant to this. Um, last year after Halloween time, I went to the, uh, wine and liquor store that's next to Costco and Riverhead. And as I'm leaving, there's a guy standing at the front door and he's wearing a hoodie and he's wearing a skull Halloween mask. And as I was entering, another guy went in and I stopped with my cart and I'm looking at the guy in the skull mask and I'm like, well, you're not about to go into the store with a mask on, right? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I was just chasing my friend and he ran in there and I'm not trying to be sus. And sus is, you know, kids speak for suspect or suspicious. Right. Sus is totally sus. Um, the other guy bolted into the store and the store workers are just kind of like, uh, what? So that guy comes running back and he has basically uh, the largest bottles of vodka you could find, one in each hand, and he's trying to run out. But I was still at the doorway, so... I stopped him, but of course, in the process, both bottles of glass shattered. So no product was actually saved in this apprehension. But even though I had him and I was holding him, Brandon. no one else in the store wanted to help. Like there was this like this short but burly guy older than me. And he's like, oh, it's not worth it. Just let him go. It's like, well, actually, you're a burly guy and you could have held him until the cops get here. But instead, he's like, oh, don't bother. Let him go. It's like everybody... They say they're against crime. They say they're against shoplifters. And then when a shoplifter comes into the store, everybody's just like, it's not worth the trouble. Just let them go. I think store clerks are, are trained not to stop in, in those instances right. in case people are on. What if he had a weapon, Brendan? You're the young father. Brendan. There was no weapon because the first guy saying sus was young and unarmed. And the second guy, I mean, I was holding his arm. So if he had a weapon, he couldn't reach it. Uh, but I ended up just letting him go because literally no one would help me. The customers wouldn't help me. Um, the store staff was just like, let him go. So I just like released him. And, you know, the, the wow. burly guy was like asking my old he is. He's like, oh, I'm 15. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't matter what age you are. You're not supposed to run into liquor stores and run out with booze while wearing, you know, scary Halloween masks. Wow. So, um, you know, how often do you get to stop a stop? someone in the act but a whole lot of good it did because nobody wanted to help and you know it takes the cops five or ten minutes to get there and i wasn't going to just like 
hold him by myself, getting zero help and zero support from anybody else the whole time. We need to get you a Batman cape. I was about to say Clark Kent, you know. Yeah, yeah Clark Kent. Got a kid at home. Let the shoplifter go. <laughs> well, after the cops reviewed the video, they told me that the second guy who was outside of the store originally had come back in and was beating on my back. Uh, while I was apprehending the guy with the bottles, which I did not even realize. Wow. See, Superman, man, you got that, you got that titanium uh, thing going on. You couldn't even feel it. So <laughs> yeah, well, after a couple strikes, somebody scared him off. So, so one of the things that I had read about all these smash and grabs is that another culprit in this in a way is like the Amazon marketplace, because a lot of these goods are not, are being stolen. And then they're, they're being resold on Amazon. Um, oh, which really? is, That's interesting. yeah, yeah. It's not even like they're stealing it for their own purposes. It's like, they realize it's sort of, you can sell a lot of resell, a lot of stolen merchandise anonymously on Amazon as a seller. And, um, it's very lucrative. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, it, again, it's sort of like an anonymous way to, to get your, get your loot out there and recoup some money for it, you know? Cause there's not a lot, I mean, you, you've heard about all sorts of people like buying stuff on Amazon and it's counterfeit or, you know, if you're doing a reseller and stuff. So um, that's another big problem because there really is a market for it apparently. So no, it's nerve wracking though, isn't it? We did a story. Remember you guys, we did a, a podcast last year with the, um, with the Southampton or maybe it was quad police about the car thefts, which was fascinating yeah. to me. Cause you know, the whole, it was all figured out, you know, getting a young, younger age, um, younger age kids to, to ride out in a stolen car from New Jersey. And then they each spread out and take a, a car from the driveways out here. And then they abandon the car they came with bring their own license plates so the the, the uh, um, license plate readers don't see it as stolen and they're hoping they're back in Jersey and the cars are you know dispersed before and I think that's the other thing you know with the with the lack of people out here in the winter I guess they figure that by the time the person realizes their car has been stolen it'll be you know on a boat to South America or something so well, it was also a big problem because people weren't locking their cars. Remember, it was like the police departments right. kept like issuing these releases that were like, can you please lock your luxury vehicle when it's parked in its driveway? And then we learned that like a lot of the luxury SUVs, if it's locked, like the mirrors like flip in. So it was as simple as just like driving past and seeing like where the mirrors were to figure out whether it was an unlocked car or not. And they were leaving the keys yeah. in the car. The fobs. It wasn't even yes. unlocked. They were leaving the fobs in the car. There was even one case though, they said where the, the guys had figured out, I guess they'd used the garage door opener and had gotten in and they went inside yeah. the house and found the fob. Even when it wasn't there was the one car. case where they suspect that the fobs were cloned, <laughs> that the people had come like days oh. earlier, they knocked on the door, the keys are by the front door and they cloned the fob yeah. using God knows what device. I still don't know what technology is available that lets you clone a fob just by standing a few feet from it. Wow, that's it's crazy. Yeah. That's it. That's it, everybody. Don't <laughs> leave your house ever. Wasn't there one brand of car that it was so security flawed that they were just being stolen left and right? That was, those were the Kias and I think another one. Because you could just like you could use almost like a like a little like thumb drive or something to start the car. Yeah, it was it was the cheaper brand, the Kia and then one other one. I can't remember yeah, which one. One of my friends, she shared that she got an email from Kia that's like, 
new software update for your car, bring it into Kia. And she's like, well, thanks for the email, but my car was stolen mm. six months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me where it is. But it's like funny. I just, yeah, I saw something the other day. Like, so it was great. It was like one of these like cheesy shows about this, uh, this place that was getting a lot of it. It was a, a nursery and it was, um, had a lot of plants that were being stolen, like giant pots and stuff. And so this guy cleverly um, the owner of the of the store put those air tags in all these little pots and left it out there. And they were able, to, I think that's a great idea. And they were able to track it. And this, this, the thief had basically replanted all these things in his front yard. So oh, the no. tags were right there in his front yard. I'm like, well, that's a smart thing. So if you're really concerned about your property, just bury an air tag somewhere <laughs> like on your trunk or something. I don't know. I, don't, I think that's pretty funny. Well, so. cars are so easy to track now, especially luxury cars. Like it used yeah. to be Lojack, right? But now Lojack mm -hmm. is just mm -hmm. a standard thing. It's no longer just one brand anymore. So yes. it's like people who steal iPhones. The, an iPhone that's stolen gets reported stolen and it's turned into a yeah. useless brick. Yeah. So exactly. What are you going to do with an iPhone that you can't sell to anybody because you can't unlock it? But can't they just like, can't they just like take out the, the Sims card and like read? I don't, I don't think I mean I feel like Brendan's right I think that once like if it's been reported stolen and then if you're like connected I remember Ella once left her phone my daughter 14 years old phone obsessed in a bathroom after we had gotten off a plane in Orlando but then we exited oh, the secure area and the phone was back there and so we're waiting for our luggage and I just went on my phone and I reported it because we're connected I was able to like basically put a lock screen on and it was like if you find this phone call um and a security guy from the airport actually did call me while we were waiting for our luggage and I was able to get it like miraculously and I feel wow. like you wouldn't have been able to get into her phone like it would have been impossible to get in to reset it to factory settings or anything because of that lock screen that was put once oh. we knew it wasn't in her possession people keep trying interesting that was a that was a really fun travel day with children oh yeah no, I know that. <laughs> so have you guys ever been the victim of crimes like that i've never my i've never had anything stolen from my home or i've never had a car stolen but i, I do lock my car at night um even in the sleepy little hamlet of springs um yeah, which yeah. I which yeah. I remember, and I locked my front door, which I remember was not the case when I was a child. I grew up in Springs, um, you know, about five minutes from where I live now. And my parents, we never locked our doors and they never locked their cars. And I feel like we maybe didn't even know where our house key was for like a decade. Yeah. Like it yeah. just was not something anybody did. Like you went into town and parked in the back lot to go get Fierro's and you left your car open. Like it just wasn't something that you ever really worried about but um different yeah. worlds so yeah I, I can't even imagine that right yeah yeah, yeah we, we moved out here from Hoboken and we had we had a, a car stolen there which was and it was <laughs> yeah it was maddening because we had the, the whole bar on it and you know everything it didn't matter it was hard there because it was Jersey and and it was very close to Newark Port Newark and that was a big place where a lot of stolen cars ended up going because I, I had um I, I had somebody break into my apartment 30 30 years ago and and when I was living in in Rochester and it was a former roommate and um he had so, so one of the 
the neighbor's kids had seen him on the fire escape outside the apartment. I was up on the second floor and had talked to him and um, had a conversation with the kid and, you know, said it was okay. Bill knows I'm here. He ended up breaking the window, breaking into my apartment. The kid went home and they called the cops and the cops came out and he was still there and they talked to him. And he had said, oh, no, I have permission to be here. And they let him go. Oh, Jesus. And he just walked off. Luckily, he didn't steal any of my stuff because he got he got spooked or whatever. And I came home and saw that um, all my electronics were piled in a, in a in a pile in in the living room. And, you know, and he had taken the pillowcases off the pillows because he was going to use that to carry the stuff out. Um, and I, I called the cops back and they're like, yeah, we were there earlier while I was at work. And uh, yeah, it was this guy and, you know, he said he had permission to be there. And I'm like, no, no, he didn't. So um, you would just believe he, he, he and pillow, wait, pillowcases to steal booty. Isn't that something that the Grinch did? I think so. Yeah. Maybe he was the Grinch. The Grinch. Luckily, I didn't lose anything other than a broken window. But yeah. well, while we're on the topic of crime, do you want to um, launch into your your topic Bill? sure so yeah the big news out of out of montauk was the arrest in the anti-semitic um uh, graffiti case out there um police and and it was um i i was i was really uh applaud the 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 different agencies coming together it was the suffolk county district attorney's office um suffolk county police and and the east hampton town police that um that uh, blew the case open. Uh, apparently, um, they this week they arrested a, a 74 year old um, Montauk resident, and I'm going to screw up his name again. Michael Nicolulius uh, of Montauk, who who apparently allegedly had had committed um, you know the acts of graffiti, and at the end of um, um, end of October, and and then there was another instance in November, and. How they how they um, how they caught this guy is after after the initial um, incidents, they had reviewed um, uh, security cameras from from nearby areas and had identified a car. Um, and it was a PT cruiser, and they did a search of PT cruisers registered to residents of Montauk, and and they um, identified this guy as a possible suspect. And then for an entire month, um, which is which really impressed me, for an entire month, they followed this guy around and followed him in the car so that they could gather enough evidence to um, to arrest him. And then it was um, um, early on, on Tuesday morning, they um, they caught him in the act. He was he was um, attempting to perpetrate a third incident that he spray painted a, 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 another swastika on, a, on another um, on another building and they they swooped in and uh and and busted him um and um i i, I think that um it was just, again really really impressed him they charged him with um with three felonies aggravated harassment in the first degree and account of criminal mischief in the fourth degree as a hate crime and then 11 other misdemeanor charges and um by by accounts um he um once once he was arrested he um he admitted to police that he had committed um committed these crimes um and wrote out wrote out a statement and uh, he was arraigned 
the next day and and we're um you know waiting to see what uh what happens um with him hopefully they uh they throw the book at him it, it's um you, you know I, I think we had we had initially thought maybe it was you know it was kids or it was teenagers or it was this or it was that but no there's this guy who um who apparently um you know has has uh, negative feelings toward um you know toward toward jewish population in in israel and um and you know given what's going on in the world right now um i'm i'm glad that uh that the police agencies and the district attorney um took it as seriously as they did i mean they 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 put a lot of resources into tailing this guy and finding this guy and uh and um and then ended up with with him being arrested well i will give props to brendan because from the beginning brendan said that it was not a kid so he knew he knew yeah it didn't strike me as like dumb kids being dumb it struck me as like very deliberate very hateful the other thing is like how how incredible that you could tail somebody in montauk for a month and them not know you're back there (laughs) you know montauk is pretty small rotating who the cops are and rotate out i would say because it's like i mean you know yeah driving around montauk if someone's tailing you you know it pretty quick because it's only like you know only so many people out there the other thing is like i don't know we i i've never heard this guy's name georgie is this a name that's familiar to you at all or anybody no it wasn't um the minute that we got the name um i i because i the first news that i had heard before we had the name was that it was a 74 year old surfer um you know and the surfing community is you know pretty strong out in Montauk and I was like oh I wonder if it's somebody that like everybody knows um but yeah I didn't recognize his name at all he's not somebody he he did have he did have a history out 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 there um one of our our proofreaders um knows knows the guy and and knew his his family and he apparently his his family had moved out here for a while and then he he moved to I think it was Hawaii for a while um you know living the surfer surfer lifestyle or whatever and and then came back a, a few years ago but he did have a kind of a back and forth history um in the area he wasn't some guy that just just moved here yeah which is why I'm surprised because usually you know we know somebody that knows somebody that knows him but I didn't yeah, yeah his name was not familiar to mm-hmm. me but I'm not in, like, I'm not super connected to, like, I know a bunch of surfers in Montauk, but I'm not like in that community. So, um, you know, it could very, he could have been very well known yeah. um, in that community for all yeah. I know. I'm just happy that there's some resolution to that. You know, it's, Absolutely. it's been such an unsettling time for everybody, um, like the <laughs> across the board and you know i feel like you know between the war and you know i think a lot of people are still in some significant ptsd from the covid pandemic and you know there's just so so much has felt you know at unease at least you know that's how i've felt personally um that this like small bit of resolution um you know i was grateful for it and there's just been such a, a huge number of, we were talking a little bit on, on the radio show, you know, last, last week. And, and um, th- there's just been a, a huge increase in the number of anti-Semitic hate crimes, um, you know, particularly since, since the, the war broke out and it, it's just, it, it confuses me. I just, I just don't get it. And, you know, and, and um, 
um, I'm, I'm glad on a, on a local level that that it was you know resolved in in, in this case anyway, and I hope we don't see um, any further instances. And also, yeah, I was going to say there's also the crimes against Muslims, like those young men in Burlington that were shot for absolutely no reason other than the fact that they were speaking Arabic. I mean, that's pretty terrifying, you know. So. Crazy times. Yeah, crazy times. Another reason not to leave the house. So we have at least two reasons not to leave the house. Oh, well, you have to leave the house to go get your kid's squid beer, but then bring it back and then lock bring your doors. Buy, buy a six pack. And exactly. Bring and make yeah. sure to lock your car, your car as well when you park it in your driveway and walk into your house with your kid's squid beer and then right. lock your door. Don't leave your beer in the car. <laughs> unless you have a tracker on your beer, which is... <laughs> covering all the pieces here. We gotta laugh, you know. I mean, what else are you gonna do sometimes, you know? Put the tracker on it and use it as bait, and then we can have you know Brendan go and wrestle <laughs> them down and uh, stop them. <laughs> you get a green belt for nothing. <laughs> Hi, this is Ellen Diogardi. I'm the director of events for the Express News Group. I'm also the president of the Sag Harbor Chamber of Commerce. Community really matters to all of us at this company. I know it's a good part of why I'm here. We've hosted more than 50 of our Express Sessions events in Southampton, East Hampton, and Sag Harbor, focusing on issues that matter most to residents of the East End. We bring the most important government and community leaders and topic experts together in one room, and we often find answers to complicated questions, and we grow stronger together. This all takes staff time and company resources, but it's our job, and I'm happy to say we really love our work. But we can't do it without our subscribers. If this kind of community work is important to you, you can support it by becoming a subscriber. To subscribe, visit 27east.com slash subscribe, and thank you. All right, Brendan, it's your turn to add to our uh, our Build-A-Story here. Our true Boy Scout. Yeah. Well, speaking of building, my story is about a Habitat for Humanity house that is going up in Riverhead. And what's unique about this one is it's using insulated concrete forms, also known as insulating concrete forms or just ICF. And it's this interesting approach to making houses that the trade group that behind this kind of home building wants to show off. So what they've done is They've partnered with Habitat for Humanity International, and they're building a house each in all 50 states. Wow. So I think there are about 34 houses into this project. The group uh, doing this in Riverhead, Build Block, they've participated in about eight of these. And when you look at it, it just looks like a big styrofoam cooler almost with windows punched mm -hmm. out. These forms are made out of styrofoam, the same kind of styrofoam you'd find inside like a refrigerator box or whatever electronics are getting delivered. And they have struts inside them. So you have something where you could actually attach siding to or attach uh, the sheetrock to on the interior of the house. So it's concrete forms where they have 2.5 inches of styrofoam on the outside, 2.5 inches of styrofoam on the inside connected by struts. They stack them up like Lego blocks. The edges are like jigsaw pieces. You stack them up the way you want the house to be. You 
you put in temporary braces for the wind where the windows and doors are going to go. And then you get a concrete mixer and you get a concrete pump and it hangs in the air with a big tube where the concrete pours out and it goes around the forms, filling it up. And then about 24 hours later, that concrete is pretty dry. You give it a couple more days to cure and you could start putting in windows and doors and siding. And I believe it was like 28 days until the concrete is at its full strength, but you don't have to wait for it to be at full strength to start doing the rest of the work that's required. And what you end up with is a house that has five inches of insulation built into the walls. Wow. In a stick-built house, you put up the framing, you have hollow walls that you fill with insulation. This is insulation that you fill with a, with a solid wall. So it's an R22 insulation factor, which is pretty high. It's adequate for Long Island. But then you're also slowing down the, the air and heat transference by putting the cement in between. And they don't have a family picked out for this house yet, but Habitat for Humanity will find an eligible family, qualify them for it. They have to go through mortgage counseling. They have to take some lessons on how to be a homeowner and take care of a house. They have to contribute hundreds of hours of sweat equity, either into their own house or other Habitat for Humanity projects. And they will be able to buy that house at an affordable rate in the end. That's fantastic. They do a great job. But can I ask Brendan, you know, it's it's interesting. My sister actually built um, a house on her property using these, but more, I would say more of a lean to, because she's kind of a survivalist. So more like a, more like just a, a, a wall. It's, it's all, it feels like a bunker, honestly, but it's very secured. It's very insulated, but she just did like the, um, the sub basement level, like kind of dug into the side of the hill. Um, is are these houses built totally like multiple stories with this material or is it just the lower level that is using these blocks it's everything um, it's everything. they can be used as frost shields for the foundation mm-hmm. and where we are when you get deep enough the the earth is constantly 54 degrees so we don't need frost shields too too deep in the ground but if you're up north where frost can actually wreck your foundation, uh, you would want to use something like this for your foundation. But this is going up the walls themselves. And even though this is a one-story home, I've seen the brochures and the examples, and they have two or even three-story homes built this way. And is it a lot, it's a lot cheaper too, I guess then, right? Well, cheaper compared to what? I'm not sure if it's cheaper compared to stick built. It might be cheaper compared to some other ways that you build a concrete home. A lot of it though, um, I think the cost savings comes into the labor because the way that they could put up these forms in a day or two and pour it in an afternoon, it's a lot less labor intensive than than maybe wood framing would be. Yeah, I guess hurricane proof as well. Yeah, I was gonna say, are they a lot stronger? Yeah, they're gonna be very resilient to hurricanes. Yep. Yeah. Is it sort of like, did you, have you done a story, Brendan, on that 3D printing that they've been doing around Calverton with those houses? I did a story on one house that was going up that was the prototype. And I've watched videos of 3D printing of concrete houses. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. That is different, though, because they're not in forms that are going to be permanent parts of the house. The difference here is 
they they just fill it like you take a water pitcher and fill a glass with the 3D printing. They have to do like a little bit at a time, a thin strip, add a layer, add a layer, add a layer. This is just being filled up. And then instead of the forms getting removed at the end, the forms are permanent parts of the house. Mm -hmm. Also, like the 3D printed house seems like they're more round and sort of like they have more curved edges and stuff, right? Yeah, the 3D printing houses allows you to make some shapes and some forms that you can't do with traditional mm -hmm. um, house raising methods. The, the styrofoam remains, that's the insulation or is the styro styrofoam just the form you pour the concrete and then remove the styrofoam? It, it remains, you end up with five inches of wow. insulation because you're sandwiched between 2.5 inches of styrofoam. Very cool. So where, so where in Riverhead are they building this? This is off Doctor's Path. Cool, that's great. So I wonder if we'll see more of this, um, you know, in, in general construction. You know, is it the kind of technology that people are readily embracing, or are we we see much of it being used um, outside of this this use of it in habitat? You know, there there's twofold reasons why this trade group is doing this in all fifty states. Uh, one is they're trying to do something nice by Habitat for Humanity, but two is they do want to show off this technology and they want to show to every state that this is something that can be done, um, that people would choose maybe if they were just aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also this project in particular, they were advertising that they're using low carbon concrete. So mm -hmm. I'm still working on the article, so I can't tell you yet what makes this concrete low carbon compared to conventional concrete but it is going to reduce the environmental impact of building this home. And also heating it and cooling it too, which is very cool. Right. There's an up, upfront carbon savings as well as a carbon savings over the life of the house since it's going to be so well sealed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are they using, are, like, as far as, you know, this kind of, I guess it'd be also interesting, are they, when it comes to like heating or cooling the house, are they looking at using um, heat pumps? Like, is that as far as cutting edge technology or heat pumps sort of the way that people are now moving with this, um, with the technology. I can't speak to this particular house and how they're going to do HVAC, but I could tell you that heat pumps are a direction where a lot of heating and cooling is moving into, or say you're putting an extension on your house and it's just going to be too difficult to try to add baseboards up there or radiators you might just add a heat pump that only serves your extension and not the rest of your house. But there's a lot of brand new houses going up with heat pumps. And I went to a presentation on this not too long ago. There's two kinds of heat pumps. There's air source that's just using the ambient air and there's ground source or geothermal. And if you have a brand new building lot, you could dig for a geothermal loop to have your house served by heat pump very efficiently, mm -hmm. because as I said, the earth is 54 degrees year round on Long Island. Right. So for a brand new building, a geothermal heat pump is going to be very, very efficient and you could use it year round to heat or cool your home. If you are, if you have an existing home and you're converting to heat pump and trying to bring your entire house over to heat pump, there are limitations because when it is way, way hot out, that heat pump is going to be working very hard and using a lot of electricity where it's actually losing efficiency. And when it's way, way cold out, like say less than 20 degrees out, the heat pump isn't even going to operate at that 
rate because it's just too cold out. So you might have a heat pump where you have a supplemental system to back it up for those really cool nights or those really, really hot days. Interesting. But it doesn't make sense to put in it like it would be it would be really cost prohibitive if you've already got an existing home to put it in ground, a a geothermal heat pump. It depends on how much land you have. Say you have a big backyard that's easy to get to, then they could get equipment back there and they could dig a geothermal loop. But if you're on a tight lot, you know, how are they ever going to dig that hole? Interesting. Hmm. Things to think about. All right. And there's subsidies now uh, under the Inflation Reduction Act, I think have added to the federal subsidies that are available. PSEG might offer you a subsidy too. So there's some ways to make installing a heat pump equitable to installing other conventional methods. Okay, good to know. You would still need a permit from the town though. (laughs) No, that's what, believe me, you can see my wheels turning and saying, oh God, (laughs) I don't want them to look at anything else going on at our property. Yeah, it's nerve wracking. But then I'm thinking the first thing we need to do is replace all of the old drafty windows. <laughs> another Right. Well, if you're trying to reduce your energy usage, switching over to a heat pump might not be the way to go. If your house is still drafty, you could probably, for the investment, have a much more comfortable home if you replace the windows. And while you have those walls open, make sure they're insulated properly. Oh, I'm sure they're not, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, you know how it is. Like you, you open up one wall and you realize what else needs to be done. It's always, as I said, when we we did our, our kitchen number of years ago, I just remember the electricians opening up the wall of our 1960 something house and they just stood there and laughed. And we just knew that was going to be a really expensive day. So, you know, when electricians laugh at your wiring, you're in trouble. Well, my house is from 1930 and it's been worked on quite a bit over the years, but I'm afraid what we might find when we have to open up any walls and allegedly our house is poured concrete, but that's what's written on the plans that are accepted by the town of Brookhaven. And that's what it was advertised as when we bought it. But we just had two architects here and both of them are like, I kind of doubt your house is poured concrete. So I'm fairly certain it is because whenever the stucco is chipped off the walls outside, as far as I know, that's concrete underneath. But with two different architects having that level of skepticism, maybe I'll find out something completely different when we open up the walls. So is it better for you for it to be poured concrete or not to be poured concrete? I like being poured concrete because we're basically a fortress if there's a hurricane. No, that's true. <laughs> but if I find out that it's not, that means I've been overpaying for homeowners insurance for all these years. Yeah. Wow. Right. Which is ironic because even though your house will stand up better in a storm, it'll cost more to replace, which is why they're charging you more for your insurance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, the conundrums of homeownership. I will say we replaced our windows in 2021, like your house in that yeah. we are, our house is one of the oldest on the block. We love our house very much. It needs to be basically rebuilt piece by piece over time. Um, oh, you'll you do know, that. Just wait. Just wait. You'll do it. I'll do it. But the windows were the first thing we did. And yeah. it's such an expensive project, um, you know, that it, and it's not like it's fun as like getting a pool or you know redoing your kitchen or anything like that but we did do the windows um and we did do our kitchen and the difference in 
heat retention and how much cooler it is inside. Um, in the summer, we don't have central air or heat. Um, it, it's such a huge difference. Wow. Um, huh. Just the windows being done. And like Brendan said, when they took the windows out, like just like checking what the insulation looks like and, um, you know, fixing that where it needed it. Um, huge, huge difference. You get Anderson windows or how did you... Or some yeah we did anderson not renewal but we have anderson windows all right because they have they'll have sales every once in a while if they want to call them that all right we'll put it on we'll put it on the list <laughs> maybe next year so yeah we did blow in insulation in our attic as one of our first home improvement projects because there was nothing the home was just never insulated and yeah. it made such an immediate difference it used to be yeah. that you turn the thermostat up and you'd be lucky if it maintained that temperature. And as soon as we made this change, you'd put the thermostat up to 68 and the house would get up to 72. Easy. Wow. Wow. Mm. wow. I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's pretty, it's a pretty interesting phenomenon out here because like a lot of us bought houses that were really only meant to be summer homes. I'm pretty sure that was the case with ours, you know? And um, yeah, I think a lot of people face that because of, uh, of the fact that summer homes are now being lived in year round it's quite a challenge I feel like my house was built by like a normal person um not like a contractor do you know what I mean yes, like yes, yes. like somebody decided that they needed to build a house on Manor Lane and again I love my house my neighborhood is like the just total best I have the best neighbors it's a great street and we love our house but you know anytime like you said you open up a wall and and you look at like the way that like the wood is nailed together and the electric is installed and you're like, wow. So like, just like a normal person was like, I'm going to build a house. And you know what it is? It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the physical equivalent of psychotherapy. Like don't open that box if you don't want to go there. No, let's be honest. No. You know, <laughs> can you handle the truth? Well, I think also we are, we all, we're living, we live in a very expensive place. So for all of us just to get into our houses kind of took everything that we had, uh, yeah. you know, so like addressing, <laughs> addressing the house yeah. comes a little bit of like a long-term plan. Right. And you have to steal yourself. You have to drink that vodka that crashed on the Costco floor when Brendan interrupted that robbery in order I'm to just gonna drink my kids good beer and you know <laughs> enjoy by helping the environment right. it's like all right I've had a beer let's open up the walls <laughs> let's get a therapist for 2024 <laughs> our job is done <laughs> Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com.
27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts. 